Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, y'all. It's Vlad Harris here with another Panther Rants podcast. I had one recorded yesterday to recap. In fact, I was in the middle of recording and I was almost done with it. And as I was making my left turn, and the thing is when I drive, the phone gets put down and I drive. I record, I, I talk. Well, as I was getting to make my left turn, and the way the, the way the intersection goes where I'm at is, um, you know, once that, once that once that green arrow goes away, you have to yield to traffic. Well, the, for me, the green arrow went away, and um, I had to yield. But the person behind me, I guess, just didn't understand it or just didn't get it. Kept honking their horn at me. So after about so about three or four honks, up came the middle finger, and then they stopped honking. I made my t- I made my turn, set a day, and of course they started driving really, 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 really slow. And, you know, I took, the, I went to Twitter and vented about it and was pretty profaned. And, um, I ended up deleting the tweets because nobody really needs to read that anyway. I mean, it felt good to vent about it, but nobody needs to read that stuff on their timeline. Which uh, I guess you can say, I, uh, at 38, I'm, I'm starting to really grow up. I mean, you know, I have kids, but you know, kids helps out a little bit. I mean, you can still have kids and be of immature jerk. Heck, you can still uh, take care of your kids. <laughs> Basically, fit in whatever and still be mature. It's all about your personality, pretty much, and well, how you handle things. And but yeah, I probably handle that bad. I mean, because with road rage, it's never worth it because you don't know who's on the other end that you're you know you're giving your rage to or you're honking at or giving the finger to. You just don't know with how people's mental makeups are. So, yeah. It felt good to do, but I probably won't do it again. I'll probably just ignore them. But my day... My day was good until then, and of course, my podcast was screwed up. 
So let's get back to the actual topic at hand, which is Pip, which is what you guys, which by 40, 40, 30 or 40 of you that listen to this thing, you're interested in. And I appreciate it too. Definitely. I'm surprised anybody listens to this. But Pitt uh, came out with a win on Saturday. You know, it was expected. I mean, yeah, the way things were going, you, you, you didn't know how it was going to transpire. But Rice isn't really that good of a team. They're actually a really bad team right now. Even for Conference USA standards, are they're just bad. But, um, Max Brown had an impressive day, over 40 yards, four touchdown passes, and he had to pretty much put the team on his back on offense because the the running game just couldn't get it going. But if I had to guess. Rice was going to challenge him to beat them because our passing game for the most part sucks. The defense had an impressive day. They gave only 10 points. And, you know, they they had, you know, two bad games. I mean, Oklahoma State and Georgia Tech, but the problem with those games were they couldn't go off the field for one thing, and second of all, they weren't getting any help from the offense at all. When you're off, you know, when the offense isn't moving the football and giving you giving you a chance to rest, it's gonna be a long day. And Pitt doesn't exactly have a deep roster to withstand all that. I mean, they got players, sure. But it's still on the level of you know Bama and some of the other schools. I mean, we got guys who can play. The guys behind them still need to develop. But um, it was nice. To see, it was nice to see Demar Hamlin with an interception. You know, get his feet wet even more. You know, he's slowly progressing, and pretty much with him got to give him some time. I mean, I know he had a lot of hype out of high school and he was injured all last year and he's got to get, he needs time to heal. Click, 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 click. But look at some other things. Jester Way, five catches over 100, 130 yards. How did he, you know, he, hopefully with Max Brown, he's come out of his shell a bit, and he's got whatever it is out of his head. Same thing with the offensive coordinator, Sean Watson. You hope that he um, finally found something that works with his offense. You know, in terms of your personnel, your quarterback, who's not very mobile. I mean, we got receivers. We got guys who can, who are talented. I mean, we, at times, they've let us down. I 
It's just the offensive line's been a real disappointment. You know, when you term when you return most of your starters, you expect a better, you know, better end result, but it just hasn't been. But um, if you look at me, if you look at the big picture of this team, running back, we're running back. We got a good stable of backs. We just need somebody to st- actually step up and take control. Somebody we can give the rock to and just hand the ball off to them. They're going to take it and do whatever with it. We need that type of back. We, we just haven't found him yet. I was hoping for Quadrillison, but he just hasn't broken out yet. You know, receiver-wise, I mean, Jester Wee is going to be obviously our, our main guy. Because he's the you know, he's the leader, but we guys, you know, really, we got a talented staple of uh, receivers as well, and it'd be nice to see one of those guys step up. I mean, and set the tone not for this year, but just for next year when they, you know, when Jester graduates. So I mean, offensively, I mean, if you look at the service, we're not too bad. I mean. We just got. We just need better offensive line play. Hopefully that gets figured out. And of course, better quarterback play, which hope, which I hope we've uh, exercised. We've exercised the demons playing rice. That's all I can really hope for. But um. As far as the rest of the game goes with Rice, I mean, not a whole lot really stood out to me. I mean, it's they're just a bad team. But Pitt came out and took care of business for once. Whereas, you know, when you had Youngstown State, that game went to overtime. This time around, Pitt went in, went in and kicked ass. Although when it looked like they were up twenty nothing, it looked like they were going to, uh, you know, Rice score ten po- ten unanswered points. You thought, oh, here we go, but no. Pitt woke the f up and put them out of their misery, and pretty much that's you know Pitt hits the W column for the first time since Youngstown State because they went three weeks without a without a win. The best part about the pit win is the pit live wire. Yes, every pit win, we get that live wire from on YouTube where it has all the awesome stuff the music, the freaking pregame, players saying stuff, the coach's speech, you know. And of course, the plays, Bill Hillgrove in the background, giving the you know, giving the plays. And then of course, after they make the play, you got the player on the sideline talking about you know this, 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 and this. And at the end, they all celebrate and we're all happy. The end. I like to see a people live wire though after a loss. I don't know, just to see how the team you know is after a loss.
especially the Penn State game. I would love to have seen that live wire, despite the fact we lost that game. I definitely didn't want to see it during Oklahoma State. Ugh. But then again, maybe we, maybe we could have seen it because you know, maybe we could have been entertained by all the profanity. But moving on, we got Syracuse coming up, and Syracuse obviously isn't great. But at the same time, last year we needed we we needed seventy six points, just so we could only beat them by seven points. So, and you know. Initially, they played LSU pretty close, and of course, that couldn't be fool's goal because LSU sucks for the most part. They're not good. They're horrible. And of course, Matt Canada, you know, with the, you know, leaving for more money. And I know we're going to get to this topic as well, but might as well. Do I uh, think Matt Canna regrets taking the job? I mean, no. You know what? He had a really good season. You know, Matt Canna had a really good season last year. His offense put up a bunch of points and yards. So, of course, like, you know, in today's world, business-wise, you're going to cash in on what you're doing. You know, if you're picking up all these, I mean, it's like, you know, in your personal life, you're picking up all these skills at your job, they're underpaying you. You can go put yourself on the market and get more money. It picked it off for more money. It's just that it wasn't enough. <laughs> the what, what LSU was giving them. So he had to cash in. I mean, you got to do that. I mean, plus LSU, I mean, is a better, you know, on the surface is a better job than Pitt. Because, the, you know, LSU is obviously a quote-unquote big-time program. You know, it's an SEC. I mean, they're, you know... And plus, recruits go there. I mean, they flock to that school. I mean, they, they get some really good recruiting classes. And I thought, you know, the transition for him wouldn't be too bad because he. Had, I, fi- I figure of all the um, talent that they have on that team, he would be able to utilize it. You know, he'd have a lot more toys to play with. Not so much... It hasn't worked out, which kind of tells you how really good that pit offense was last year. Indeed. So, back to Syracuse. You know. Obviously, the stats aren't from him because I haven't looked at what Syracuse has done. I know they're not; they don't have a lose, they don't have a winning record, obviously, and they're probably in the same boat as we are. But at the same time, we they dropped over sixty points on us last year, so I kind of hope we don't have that same uh, type of repeat. Because it's going to be a long day for us. Because we can't, we have a hard time scoring as it is. And it would suck to lose a Syracuse because we pretty much own Syracuse in 
the last decade or so. Up until uh, up until Walt Harris came, Pitt always had a hard time with Syracuse. Even during Walt's early years, he did. We could, for whatever reason, we could never beat them, no matter how bad they were. I mean, they had some real good teams in you know, the uh, McNabb years. They were really good then. Then the uh, Troy Noons era. Came upon us, and we had lost some close games with them. There was the uh, Troy Noons pass. You know, where he became the absolute magician. You know, we had him. He just found, you know, we, <laughs> we thought we could tackle him, but he just got away and made the, you know, made a big throw. But, um, that 2000, it, things started to break for Pitt against Syracuse when the 2002 season began. And Pitt, um, Pitt went to the dome and destroyed them. They uh, beat Syracuse 48-24. to And I remember watching that game, and they just destroyed Syracuse. I mean, uh, Rod Rutherford was dropping bombs. In fact, actually, believe it or not, it was actually 48-10. to And then Pitt started putting their scrubs in. The guy who was playing for Syracuse at the time, the quarterback, was R.J. Anderson. And for some reason, Pasqualoni had an obsession with him. And he uh, benched Noons for him. And I think, yeah, Syracuse won 10 games with him the year before. But they were struggling uh, in 2002 with him. But, um... Yeah, Pitt went to that dome that day, and they took care of business, and that was that. And, and the rest was history after that. You know, Pitt, from then on, was beating the snot out of them. Although, although in 2004, Pitt lost to him in overtime, which was unfortunate. And, of course, the other time Pitt has lost to him was in you know, the first year in the Paul Christ era, which was a close game. But other than that, Pitt's pretty much destroyed him. And you could attribute that to when uh, Pasqualoni left. You know, he was fired, and uh, Greg Robinson took over, and then Syracuse was just dreadfully bad. And they've pretty much been dreadfully, dreadfully bad ever since. Although they had a little, you know, resurgence with Maroney, and then he took, then he took an NFL job. But uh, you figured Schaefer was going to. Um, pick up where he left off and that didn't happen but uh, as far as that game goes I'll probably do another podcast on talking about it a little bit more because I don't have all the notes in front of me but theoretically speaking we're just going to need to uh, well obviously have a good game with the offense and defense. Obviously, the offense has got to score points. 
and put up the you know, close to the same effort like they did with Rice, although Syracuse isn't Rice. But of course, defensively, we got to actually stop people now because our offense can't you know put up forty some points a game. All right, let's move along to the weekend that was college football. Obviously, Friday night kicked off with a Pac-12 after dark, and uh, Mike Leach, who I love to have, you know, had a you know pit, knocks off USC by three. And uh, you know, I wanted Mike Leach to pit because I thought it'd been entertaining to have him, but people thought otherwise. You know, kudos to Wazoo for uh, being so patient, letting him build his program, which is probably what we need to do with Pat Narduzzi. Let him build, because it's going to take some time to do it. Not to mention having a coach here longer than three years, because, you know, Paul Chris was there for three. And that was the longest since Dave Wanstead, you know, who we departed with. So, it's best to let Pat, you know, bail and let's see what happens. Because I know we're all, I know we're all breathing it, breathing heavily because of how this season has started off, and who knows, year four could be could be a lot better. You know, only time will tell. But uh, you know, Sam Darnold obviously had a you know, bad game, and he probably played himself out of the Heisman race, and, you know, he was good down the stretch the year before, it's just he had a really good Rose Bowl game, and, where he was on fire, and, he may have let that get to his head, and it's probably in his head, and, he's not used to all that fame, so that didn't work, you know, so it hasn't worked out for him, you know, Penn State rolled over Indiana, and Indiana sucks, Indiana's probably worse than Rice. I mean, one thing I can hand to Indiana is at least their fans don't pound their chest about playing in the Big Ten. They don't they don't pound their chest and say how awesome they are because they're in the Big Ten. They know that they suck and realize it. Whereas you got West Virginia who pounds their chest about being in the Big 12. And, of course, when we lose the Big 12 team, they're bragging about how awesome the conference is, and of course they're getting you know they're getting reamed. Although they, did, although they did win ten games last year, but we lost Oregon, we lost Oklahoma State by a touchdown last year, and of course they get they lose by over 10, twenty points to them. But whatever, that's not my business. But uh, look at the ACC. Obviously, Clemson. <coughs> Is a big, you know, Clemson's a huge surprise to me because I thought they would have a drop off, and they haven't yet. They've, you know, they're they're back in the uh, driver's seat. People thought that it was going to be Florida State taking the ACC, and they flaw, you know, they lost to Bama and lost their uh, starting quarterback, so they pretty much have fallen, you know, by the wayside, which is unfortunate. 
I thought Louisville as well. But uh, Clemson exposed them pretty much. And the, uh, you know, there were some, uh, there were some issues with Lamar Jackson being left off some preseason, you know, watch lists and stuff like that. And, and of course you had certain, you know, certain writers complain about it. Certain people complain about it. That there was, you know, there was obviously a, um, a race factor with it. And, of course, what some people point out is that uh, down the stretch last year, I mean, for one thing, he won the Heisman, but but down the stretch, he didn't play all that good, and it was against against better competition as well. But for me, I really can care less about preseason watch lists and and preseason All-Americans. Because the the, the thing is, is they're just preseason. That's it. You You have to show your worth when you get out there and actually play the games. You know, they're not going to give you a trophy for being a preseason All-American. Maybe they do, but I would hope they don't. That would be absolutely stupid. So, I don't know why people pay, people's pain is getting a ruffle over this preseason stuff. But, um, you know, last year's Heisman race, I thought, obviously, Deshaun Watson should have won it, but... The Heisman never gets it right. You know, sometimes they do, but a lot of times they don't. Another reason for that is we got Jason White as a Heisman Trophy winner over Larry Fitzgerald, which is the biggest bunch of crap ever. Especially when you got your local riders voting for um, Jason White as well. And and you know what? They were only doing it, especially like Smizek, only doing that stuff because of, of Mark Madden. Mark Madden was doing all this crap for ratings at the time. Stirring the pot. And of course, obviously, Bob and a bunch of other writers started doing it as well. Stirring the pot. Because that's just how they are. And then naturally, Bob and Mark started feuding after that. Not too long after that. But yeah, they picked all that, that crap from them and then I guess Bob tried to uh, rationalize it about how important the quarterback position is. And, you know, with Jason White, Jason White had all kind of talent around him at the time. He wasn't good. But whatever. But, um... Georgia Tech obviously is looking good. And they could give you know they're always going to give teams fits. They may they may even they might even win the co- or um, the coastal division. They may go you know because they've done that before. They have a good chance of doing it because they have a decent team. I I love watching Paul Johnson's offense except for, except for when it's against us. Um. Miami, it's hard to say. People have been saying Miami is going to turn the corner for years now. They haven't done it. Not sure they'll do it this year either. But you never know. They 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 beat up on Duke and I don't know. Duke isn't really in the program. I mean, what they once were. I mean, they'll they'll make bowl games, but they're they're not going to give 
the teams that kind of fits they used to. You know, and Tech obviously, you know, got hammered by Clemson as well. And so, really, I mean, the Coastal is still wide open. Pitt's mathematically still in it, but I doubt we'll see, you know, anything happen for that. You know, that's probably going to come down to the, uh, the Coastal's going to come down to Tech, Georgia Tech, and Miami, most likely. That's what you'll have there. And pretty much the Atlantic Division, it's it's Clemson's to lose at this point. But hey, it works for us in the ACC, doesn't it? We can get ourselves a hopefully get a playoff uh, representative because because we all know if ACC does not provide a uh, representative to the uh, college football playoff. We'll have to hear the endless commentary rants from uh, analysts about how the ACC is a bad conference. Never, never mind. We've won two uh, national championships the last uh, I don't know four or five years. You know, we've been in the college football playoff every year as well. Yeah, jerks. But anyways, I'll be back. Probably tomorrow or Friday with a with a you know more on uh, Syracuse and whatever's going on in college football. Held up it. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.